Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I am Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 37 of the North Meet South web podcast. I just started recording. Um, yeah, so so I'm uh, trying to figure out why my microphone here is acting up. I don't know. I'm kind of going uh, a little bit rogue here. I'm just literally holding. I'm because I'm sitting in front of a bed right now, so there's <laughs> no like state. There's no yeah exactly. There's no stable surface for me to set this microphone on. All my otherwise normal recording locations are occupied by children at this moment. <laughs> So uh, the spare bedroom is going to have to do. Yeah, we'll make do. Especially seeing as for a change, it was me who was unavailable to record this weekend. Right. And I wanted to make sure that I wasn't MIA because I've been threatened and I don't want to test you. Uh, The threat (laughs) was issued that if I went MIA for a weekend again, then I was going to have to edit the episode. And I would like to avoid that if at all possible because I haven't edited one in probably almost a year probably yeah it's been probably about that long yeah <laughs> it's been a long time it's been a long time so anyway yeah, yeah I, was all right. like, I was sitting in the hotel room with ray on a saturday afternoon and i'm like oh yeah i'm supposed to record a podcast this weekend and i have obviously not brought my microphone with me because it was just a quick fly in fly out couple of days in sydney so luckily we were able to make it work eventually yeah. So we'll be a little bit later than usual, but we'll be out. We'll be we'll be, we'll be here this week. We'll be good. Hey, let's uh so I've got a couple things I've got written down to talk about. But why don't we kind of start with what's going on in the world of Michael Dorinda as far as your trip that you took this weekend. So hey everyone, welcome to North Meet South episode thirty seven. Thirty seven. Uh we're back and we've got a couple things uh, I've got a couple exciting things to mention. Uh, but I wanted to start with you, Mr. Dorinda. So you were in Sydney this weekend, like this current weekend. Or is it is it Sunday for you right now? It's Monday What now. is it? It's Monday for you. Monday morning. Do you have ho- yep. are, you, are you on holiday? No. What, do, what time is it? Uh, it's just before 7 a.m. Okay. All right. Yeah, you're good. Uh, you usually going to work at 8? Yeah, about that. 8, 8.15-ish. Okay. okay. All right. Sounds good. So we'll we'll keep this one relatively, not brief, but if I keep jabbering, maybe not. Um, so you were in Sydney this weekend and, yep. uh, yeah, I'd be interested to hear number one, how the trip went and number two, what was your purpose, business or pleasure? Uh, it was a good trip. It was relaxing. It was nice to just get away. Like we didn't have a whole lot planned for the trip. We caught up with some friends when we got there on Friday afternoon and evening, had, had a few drinks when I had some Mexican was, was pretty good. And then really the rest of the weekend, we just chilled out and did a whole lot of nothing. We just slept most of Saturday and went out and did a bit of shopping in the afternoon and and head back. So, but yeah, I said, I said the trip was a bit of business and a bit of pleasure. The business side of things, I'm not quite ready to talk about. I'm very oh, close. Oh no. I have to okay. send some emails this week. I, I haven't, I I haven't spoken then. about this to, there, there are a very small group of people that know about this one. Um, okay. So... Well, I will I will keep it under my hat then. Yes. Yeah. I am in the I am finally in the privileged group of people who gets to know <laughs> a secret of some sort. I'm never yeah. that guy. I'm always like on the outs. I I say that I, like I'm so deprived, right? But it's always like, <laughs> oh, what's the new latest project that Taylor and and his, you know, a team of 
minions. We'll call them minions. Why not? I, I was trying <laughs> to make it not degrading. I don't know if a minion is degrading or not, but what's Taylor and his <laughs> team of developers up to? What's the newest project they're working on? So I'm always trying to yeah. squeeze it out of somebody and I can never, you know, they never quite tell me. So uh, I know about this one, which is cool. I'm excited. Yeah, this one, I hope it's, I hope it's going to be good. For anyone that's listening, when I put the word out on Twitter, I'm really going to appreciate your help in sharing it. I think this one's going to be, this one's pretty exciting to me. So I'm hoping, hoping it comes off. I really do, uh, but it should be pretty cool. But stay tuned. Yeah. It'll be in the next week, two weeks tops. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll cut it off there. So before we get, uh, let me see here. Hold on one second. Before we get started, tell me about these, these AirPods you're wearing now. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So this is a crazy story. So last week or last episode, at the end of our episode, we were talking about kind of some of the Apple stuff we were hoping to get or thinking of getting or whatever. And you can tell us about your iPhone X and all that fun stuff. But at the last, at at the end of the last episode, and you can cut it in here, that's it. And if you're feeling really generous, if you're feeling really, really generous, you can just send me a pair of AirPods in the mail. That'd be a, that'd be incredible too. Uh, I asked for an air of uh, a pair of AirPods. It's sort of halfway, well, you know, jokingly, right? Not assuming, you know, not thinking that yeah. anybody would ever actually take me up on of that. Of course, of course. Um, but that the, that week, I got a Twitter message from uh, a guy named Andreas, who is, I believe, from Germany, and uh, he said, "Hey, I couldn't find your address online." And I was thinking my email address, like, what is he, what is he asking for? I said, like my email <laughs> address, he said, he's, yeah, he said, no, your physical address. I was like, oh, okay. And then I remembered, I was like, oh yeah. I said, uh, do you have an extra pair of AirPods you wanted to offload smiley face? Right. <laughs> and he said, no, no, no. I just wanted to send you something to say, thanks, you know, for all the work you guys put in, whatever. And so I said, okay, sure. So I sent him my, uh, work address so he could, whatever he needed to do because I'm not prone to giving my physical home address no, to strangers course. online. Right? No, not at all. But, uh, yeah, but uh, the next day he sent me a picture of a like receipt or, you know, like an online image of like a shopping cart yep. receipt thing. And he said, hey, they're on their way. And it was a pair of AirPods. I was like, are you kidding me? Wow. Yeah. So That's that pretty was, cool. yeah. So I got those in the mail this week and uh, they are pretty awesome. I love them. Yeah. They're really, really yeah. cool. So, Andreas, oh my word! I mean, it's thank you enough. I don't know. We, we I feel like we need to get a SAS of his, like a, some sort of something that he's working on, some project. Yeah, and just whatever give him a couple he's of working weeks. on. Yeah, whatever yeah. he's working on. So, uh, hey, maybe we can give him some Twitter followers. Let's see. Hold on, Sudden Break. I think is his Twitter name. Let me double check that. Yeah, yeah Sudden Break. So go follow Andreas. He's a, he's a Laravel developer all around. Uh, really nice guy. So yeah, thank you very mm. much, Andreas. That was that was uh, super awesome. So yeah, we ask for total for feedback from people week after week, and we get nothing. And suddenly, someone says, "You know what? You're good enough to send some AirPods to." So I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, man, how nice, how nice. So it, it just made my week. I was so excited, and I literally have used them. I mean, it's sometimes I feel like a, a dork. You know, like you're that guy who forgets yeah. to take them out because they just, yeah. they, just they they are oh, super no, comfortable. I walk around with them all day. Do you in okay. the office everywhere? Okay. Yeah, I don't take I don't take them out until they go flat. Yeah. Oh, so nice. So anyway, I'm really, really enjoying them. And people are always like, oh, it's so funny. Like they've been out for a while. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I can't tell you how many people have had say like, oh, what are those? What are those? Yeah. Huh, what are those? That's like, are you serious? You don't? Okay. Yeah. yeah they're, AirPods. they're very hard to come by though, as long as they've been out. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, yeah, man, it was awesome. That was really awesome. So, uh, 
that was a cool part of my week. Before we get into the code stuff, something else that I've been working on that I'm curious to hear if there's any other listeners that are kind of into this. My son recently got a Rubik's Cube. Ah. And I have like, I my goal is to be able to do it without having to look at any instructions, right? So he got it probably a month ago and I stayed up one night and just was watching YouTube videos (laughs) trying to, and I finally solved it. I was like, oh, right, this is awesome. And then of course I messed it up to see if I could solve it again. And I was like, oh man, I saw it. it, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it again. So anyway, I've solved it probably like, you know, maybe 10, 15 times or whatever. But now I'm getting down to the point where uh, I've got probably the vast majority of the algorithms and the moves kind of figured out. And I'm uh-huh. down to like the last two algorithms and those are the last two I got to memorize. And then hopefully I can start solving it without needing any assistance. Nice. But, uh, it's super cool. Like, so I, I, the other day I saw Chris Pratt, who was, you know, guardians of the galaxy, uh, yeah, yeah. Andy, Andy on, uh, parks and rec, whatever he was doing an interview and they gave him a Rubik's cube and he just solved a Rubik's cube while he was giving an interview. I was like, that's so freaking <laughs> awesome. Like, that's so cool. Yeah. Like that's totally like something that's right up my alley to just kind of have in a bag of tricks almost just like i would like just to be able to solve a rubik's cube which sounds so nerdy and dumb but like i want to be able to do that so (laughs) i'm working on it right now have you ever done that before that's something you'll be doing at laricon next year i've never i've never done it myself no yeah i don't don't know if i'll go as far as like becoming one of the speed cubers whatever you've ever seen those people like you can solve them like 30 seconds or five seconds if you're world class so anyway yeah that's been something fun i've been doing um just random but yeah that's what this podcast is just random (laughs) <laughs> um so why don't we get into the code sort of stuff what is it what's what are some projects you've been working on what's some stuff you're uh you're messing with these days i've been working on building a sort of a service status page oh really that's so interesting because i wanted to talk about that today too oh cool so yeah it's it's basically like that there is a there is a SaaS that does this right service status the io or status page the io something status like page, that yeah. I will status page show yeah. yeah so there's something like that but of course that's not good enough for us. We need our own team, <laughs> which is, I guess, fair enough. A lot of it stems from the need to be able to take automated reports from external systems. So we've got things uh, like Nagios and PRTG that, that monitor our network infrastructure. So we want the ability to be able to have that send a call into this system and set up like a pending outage that one of our engineers would then review and, and decide whether or not it was to be published. So those reporting systems already tell us if we have an issue in the network, but being able to communicate those things with our customers is obviously important. Correct. It reduces yeah, yeah. volume of calls into the call center and things like that, emails yep. and and whatever. So I've been working on that a little bit um, in the past, I guess the past month I've been working on on and off. It's not been a high priority. It's just been something I've been chipping away at, but I should have it mostly finished up by the end of this week. And that'll sort of allow us at least the ability to obviously communicate those changes, but it also gives indication of the people that are needing to schedule maintenance and indication of the potential potential impact that's going to have to our customers. So if they say, you know, I'm going to schedule maintenance on this specific wireless tower, then it will say, you know, we have this many customers attached to that tower and we can sort of filter it down. So that, that then helps gauge, you know, do we do this outage in the middle of the day or should we do it you know, in the middle of the night kind of thing. So, And are you going to put um, that information on your status page itself or is that going to be something no. internal that like you're... Yeah, so that'll be internal. So we're, we're basically flagging things as like internal information and external information. So we would say there is an outage or there is planned maintenance on a specific tower, but in terms of which antenna on the tower we're working on, that would be internal or the number of customers we might 
you know, put in a bracket that's saying, you know, it affects X to Y customers, but we wouldn't, you know, we may not necessarily say specific numbers just to give an indication of, of volume. So um, it's been, it's been pretty good. I've been using, uh, we spoke a little bit a, a couple of weeks ago about using, I think it was Sparsi's form validation thing that they yes. got for view. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been I've been playing around with that. So handling that kind of thing with the with the validation, I've been using. I, I was trying to get help from you to do like a conditional if validation based on you know if you've got an array of values that you post in your form, and if a specific like an other value is in that mm. array, I want to then say, well, you have to then fill out what the other thing is, which is a separate field. So right, like a required that a separate if. validation rule. Okay. But um, yeah, that's that's been keeping me pretty busy. The lot well. As I said, I've been chipping away at it for the last couple of months in amongst other things. So we were acquired probably about a month ago now and I've been doing some financial reporting on that which led me to, on multiple occasions, to our CTO and CEO say, you know, we don't have an accounting system. We've got a billing system and we should really not write an accounting system. We should go and find something off the shelf. So, and the CEO goes, oh, something like zero. I'm like, zero would be perfect. It would mean yes. that we could just Boom. send all of our invoice stuff like we would bill our customers and then generate the invoices in Zero. Zero would handle the invoicing. It would handle, you know, I've spoken about this duplication I've got, so it would get rid of all of those problems for me, and and it would obviously give us reporting and things like that as well, so that I don't have to worry about it, which would be good because there's other things that I could be worrying about. Interesting. So Zero would actually handle the invoicing and the collection of the money from your customers. We would still handle the billing side of it. So we've got a script. Uh, or a system that runs daily that basically goes which customers need to be billed today, sure. Which what amounts are we charging? We've got you know overages. We charge for bonus data. We charge for uh, voice calls, for example. We have to calculate all that kind of stuff. So we would just send line items into Zero, and Zero would then generate the invoice, and then we could send the invoice to the customer. That's cool. Um, but yeah, it would certainly get rid of that duplication of having the the invoice generation stuff on two systems that we have currently, it would mean that I don't have to build some kind of middle service that services both of those things. And as I said, the most important thing to me, even though they haven't asked for it, but I said, you're going to want it as the business grows, you're going to need to be able to report on this stuff yeah. is, you know, aging debtors and, you know, that kind of stuff. How much money do we make last quarter, last month, last financial year? Yep. And then kicking uh, bad accounts to suspension or sending them to a collection mm -hmm. or something like that. Yep. Yeah. Sweet, man. That's awesome. Wow. So like, I feel like there's so much to unpack in even just what you've <laughs> talked about here. Yeah. I had some like lead dev stuff to talk about that I was interested in, in maybe discussing a little bit. But before we get to that, I kind of want to unpack some of the things that you talked about. So sure. as far as the status page, I think this is really interesting. And this is something that we just researched this week. So the idea being that, you know, you have this page where it displays the status of all your current services. You know, you have the possibility of, I want to talk about number one, like, you know, what types of reports you have in there, what types of services you have in there. You have, you know, internal and external, how those are reported as being out. Uh, I feel like there's a kind of a couple different ways you can do that. Mm -hmm. And then... I also want to talk about your view form validation stuff, which by the way, on Spassi, I think they made that uh, framework agnostic now. So it doesn't require nice. it to be view. It's more like this is an integration with Laravel, I think. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's Laravel specific, but it's not JavaScript framework specific. Front end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a whole package. I think you can pull into React or, you know, whatever else. 
I think. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Well, it's just a vanilla JavaScript thing in the end, right. really. There's a exactly. form object and there's an error or the and then there's an errors object within that form. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's cool, just like the mix-in. You can just use it as a view mix-in, right? Which basically mm -hmm. just kind of glues together a couple objects uh, is what yeah. a mix-in does. So anyway, okay, so uh, as far as a status page, so we looked at this and said, all right, let's look at statuspage.io. And then I was like, there's got to be something out there already that's built for Laravel that is just, you know, its mm -hmm. own little service page and whatever. And there is. So the same guys who made Style CI, Graham Campbell, and uh, yep. I think it's Alt3, is the name of the team alt three yep and mm -hmm. uh they built something called cache have you ever heard of this i've heard of it in passing yeah tell us about it it is a status page it is a laravel status page so it's similar to like what you might have with spassi's dashboard where it's a laravel install but it's you know very it's a customized laravel install uh where it's built for a specific purpose so with cache it is built on laravel 5.4 i believe the latest release version, however, I think is on 5.2. So if you're doing like Dev Master mm -hmm. or something like that, or Dev, you know, whatever, I can't remember what it is, but uh, I think they have a 5.4 branch out there, but it's not on a release branch yet. So it's not like, you know, it's beta unstable, sure. but that's the one yep. I think we're using. So essentially you just, you know, download the Git repository and you follow their installation instructions and you have a, a nice little status page. So you can have... Uh, stuff that is displayed to the public, but you can also have uh, users that need to log in and have information that's only displayed internally. You have an API that's built for it. It's got for each sort of service, you can have four different kind of statuses, which is investigating, meaning like, hey, we've been notified that there may be a problem. Mm -hmm. In fact, saying, yes, there has been an outage. So like, yeah, it's the service is out. Watching, meaning like, hey, we're, we're working on it or something like that. And then uh, I think resolved or back up, you know what I mean? And so yeah. it, it displays a little graph showing any outages you've had. It shows like a history of any outages that were previously done and like kind of a post-mortem on them, just a quick like note on, hey, we noticed this issue was happening. This is what we're doing to fix it. And this is when you can expect it to be back, be back up. Anyway, really cool. Really, really cool. Yeah. Um, so we are I using that. I wish I this before I started. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean... Yeah, depending on how far you are in, it does, you know, maybe. So it's yeah, it got advantages, matter, meaning matter that the, the advantages is that it's got a lot of the stuff built in. The disadvantages is that it is not very, it's very customized. It's very customized. So it's running on okay. Laravel 5.4, but there is like no handler.php class for exceptions. Okay. The routes file does not really exist. Like they're, they're it's just way different than what you'd be used to coming into. And... I don't know. I don't really dig that. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't yeah, really okay. like that. And I don't know. Maybe that's just me. It's probably just like my immaturity as a developer. I really like to come into a Laravel code base and be like, hey, I know where everything is. This is awesome, right? Like yeah. it's very much like convention, whatever. And I feel like this code base is is like uh, we're using Laravel, but we're not using any of the conventions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looks more like it's the kind of thing that you would like back in the, the the phpb days of your and whatever you would download your zip file you would install it onto a server and you would just use it it mm -hmm. seems it looks like it's more like that kind of thing than something that that's designed to be tinkered with at a like generic app uh, generic laravel app level yeah that's Maybe. very fair that's a very fair uh assessment yeah so the reason why it was kind of driving me a little bit crazy is because I wanted to uh, make some changes, really, you know. So mm -hmm. as it is, what it's used for, if you literally just do exactly what you said, which is just install it, then you're golden. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Really what I wanted to do is I wanted to be able to 
make it super easy for our guys on our team to update a service as being down or investigated, you know, we're investigating it or resolved or whatever. And so yep. what I wanted to do that with is I want to do that with a Slack bot. So I'm going to use that Botman by Marcel Posia, Posier, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, make it so that we can have a little slash Slack bot that we can just send something like slash cache phones down or something like that. Like if our phone system yeah. goes down or something, like if all yep. heck breaks loose or, you know, one of our services that we run is down or whatever just make it super easy to do that so just slash cache phones down and then when it's back up slash cache phones up from slack and be all set so i was looking to do that by by basically integrating botman into the cache stuff and it just was not easy yeah sure but that's kind of really what I'm, I'm looking to do. And I'm really excited about it. I think if we can do that, it'll be pretty awesome. Uh, because like you said, we have the same problem where there'll be an outage. And so like we've had a problem with our phone provider recently. So the phones go out and you get like, you know, 50 tickets in a matter of two minutes. Yeah. Because nobody has any visualization of like, is this down? Does the team know it's down? If they don't know it's yeah. down, I better submit a ticket so they know. Because they've been trained to submit a ticket. Don't stop by our offices and just say something, yeah. you know, like submit a ticket. But but then you get a ton of them and you know, phone calls, you'll get people, well, obviously not if the phones are down, but um, you know, emails or whatever. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, we were like this, we definitely need a way for people to be able to check and see like, Hey, are we aware yeah. that the problem is, is occurring? Whatever. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Training is the key because we, ha- we don't have this now. So now it's a matter of communicating that we do have it. Please go and use this as your first port of call. More, the more technologically savvy of our customers will look for that, but it's a matter of telling your entire customer base, hey, we've got this thing and you should check there before you call us if you've got any problems with your internet. So Yeah, or we'll like on there. your support pages right, or anywhere on your site, you could yeah. say like, hey, like you could just make a little API call and if there is a service that's down, you could display a little alert at the top saying, hey, we may be yeah. having some issues. Please check here to see what might be, yeah. you know, if, if your area is affected. Yeah, well, the good, um, the good thing about having a wireless network is that all of our services are attached to an antenna on a tower. So we, we know that if a tower is down, if you log into your members area, we can put a message in there saying you are probably affected by this outage. Click here to see more kind of thing. But again, all of this comes down to a training thing, you know, it hasn't been there before. We've got to communicate it. But when I say training, it's like, you know, training your customers, not as in a sit down for a week with a new starter or whatever. It's, You've got to communicate that and say, look, you can do this now. This is where you go. This is what it looks like. Um, if you're still having issues outside of the outage window, for example, then you should try this. And then if that doesn't work, then call us kind of thing. Yeah. So there's uh, kind of going along with this, there's kind of like a couple different ways I feel like you could report statuses. Like one, the first one that I kind of mentioned is manually, right? So if you have like a Slack bot or you can just go into the UI and just mark something manually as, hey, we're investigating this or whatever. The other kind of jobs that you have are ones that kind of ping in regularly. Uh, you know, like yep. the idea of a heartbeat where you say, hey, this needs to yep. ping back to me saying it's run every 10 minutes. And if it doesn't run in 10 minutes, then make sure I know about it and possibly mark the services being investigated or something like that. Yeah. Um, there's also ones where they're not necessarily like ping back, but they are jobs that run on a regular basis that might go check to see if something's happening or if something's up. So like, for instance, we have some where we run a command that will go look to see if there's any files that are older than a certain age inside a directory Mm -hmm. on a server. And if there are, then we say, hey, these need to be taken care of. And we alert somebody on our status uh, board and say like, hey, you might want to go check these. There's some old files in here. I'm not sure exactly why they're there, but go check this out kind of thing. Mm -hmm. 
So which type of jobs are you kind of referencing here? What's What would be the strategy for for marking us uh, services out? Uh, so ours, again, as I said, are largely manual. At least that, that will be phase one. We were going to hold back on doing the outages thing until we could figure out how we needed to automate the whole process. Sure. Uh, but we decided, look, we'll, we'll put the ability in there to schedule maintenance, to report unscheduled downtime and things like that. And once we have an understanding of what this working system looks like, we can then provide some API endpoints or some webhook URLs for things like PRTG and Nigeos to go, here's my payload, go and do that. Yeah, yeah. Because at the moment, our, our notification process is someone will manually like log into Slack, go into an outages channel and then say, there is an outage here and each one looks different. And you know, obviously you lose the history after 10,000 messages and things like that because I'm not sure how many people on earth actually pay for Slack because it's quite expensive once you get you know, past a handful of users. So there are those kinds of issues to contend with. At least this way, you know, we can use the, the, the Slack notification stuff that's built in Laravel and we can generate messages that always look the same, that always have the same information in them. That means that the engineers that are reporting the issues only have to go to one place. They don't have to go, oh, we need to go and tell this person who's going to go and post on Facebook and we need to go and post in Slack so that the staff know about it on the phones and all that kind of stuff. So it's really all around streamlining streamlining that process. I don't think we're ever going to get to the point where we would receive a notification from an automated system and then immediately publish an external facing outage. It's always going to go into like a pending kind of state where we're not sure. ready to publish it yet. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Because there are there are instances where we have like hardware or software that's in high availability. So we've got two or three or four instances. If one of them goes down, for example, if our one of our authentication services go down, that node would report as down, but all of the, the customers, all of the traffic would, would automatically get diverted to another node. So we wouldn't necessarily need to report that that service went down publicly. We could just flag it and say, this went down. And we go, yeah, acknowledge, no worries, right. um, and move on from there. So it's also a matter of understanding what circumstances would trigger an outage and whether or not it's something that we actually need to worry anyone about. Yeah. You know, something in high availability is designed to be resilient to those kind of things happening. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you know, the automated outage reporting might be a little bit, you don't really want to report an outage unless there's absolutely actually an outage that you can do nothing to work around. Mm-hmm. You know, your reputation is the most important you can thing you can protect kind of as your, as your company. So, yeah. so anyway, cool. All right. So I was thinking about possibly talking about Flexbox a little bit because you had kind of experienced that you had some issues with that. And yeah. then uh, a couple of things just regarding like expectations and communication with your team. Um, so we got, let's see, we're at about 28 minutes right now. So we can uh, maybe we could just We've take a brief, brief uh, little pass at, at Flexbox here sure. and then uh, jump into the other part. So Michael, you can, you'd kind of like expressed earlier this week that you were having some issues with Flexbox. Yeah. Is this your first foray into Flexbox or what's, uh, what are you mainly yeah. using it for or what are the issues you're having? Uh, realistically, it was, it was literally one thing. I had a, a div on a page and I wanted to center the items in it, which vertically or in theory is a simple thing. Uh, both. Both. Okay. So it's a simple thing, right? You want to put it in the middle of, of that box, not of the page. So then it was a matter of eventually I got it working. And when I messaged you, the reason it wasn't working was because I was on a on a narrow viewport. So mm. because of the paddings that I had on there on, oh, on that, okay. 
div, it's skewed it a little bit. As soon as I, I'm like, hang on a minute, is this actually having any effect? Because on the mobile screen size, it didn't look like anything that I did justify or you know align items or whatever. Didn't matter what I did, nothing was changing. So I went, went to a wider browser window. I'm like, oh, hang on, no, this is all fine. So yeah, I, I got there in the end. So nice. if you're having issues, maybe adjust your viewport size, I guess. But I the, the thing that I was struggling with was that flex, if you want things to flex top to bottom vertically, then you need to make sure that the container that those flex items in has a height set. Hmm, okay. Because I, I was trying to stretch it. I had a square div and I was trying to put a logo and some text in it to be horizontally and vertically centered in the middle of that div. Yeah. But because the, the parent div, the container didn't have a height, it was just stretching to the height of the, the tallest item, basically. So everything was aligned that way, but it wasn't centered in its parent container, which was the issue that I was having. Okay. Hmm. Which okay. again, I'd... these things that we try and explain verbally never work out for me. Yeah, I'd probably have to see it. I'd probably have to see it. But yeah, man, I, I, so like overall, what's your experience been like with Flexbox? Have you enjoyed it? Have you used, like, have you used it in more than a couple of places or is this kind of like, you know, you resort to it using it like once in a while or what's uh, your well, take on it? Now that ta- like it was Tailwind basically that, that pushed me to look at it. And, and when I was talking with Adam about it, he suggested, you know, we wanted to have grid utilities when we launched it, but there's not enough support for it. There's some quirks they were experiencing, I think. So they 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 plan to introduce it later, but they went with Flexbox, Flexbox now. So I was using it just as something, you know, we're going to have to, you have to learn these things, whether or not you Correct. choose to use them down the track Correct. is yeah, you do. is another thing entirely. But I just wanted an easy way because Flexbox was supposed to be an easy way to center things. Or, oh, yeah. you know, one of it the, is. One of the yeah. things was, it should be easy just to center this thing within a parent somewhere. So... Um, overall, the experience is good for me. It's it's about retraining yourself. You know, you're not using flow left, flow right, and and paddings and absolute positions and things like that anymore. Now it's more around. You know, you've got to figure out: Are you aligning items, or are you justifying content, and which direction are you doing that in? And you do you know? Do I want to use rows or columns? And yeah. then how? And how the justification and the content alignment works relative to whether you're working in rows or columns. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. So I feel like I, maybe I've said this before, but I use the illustration of like a microwave. So, you know, a microwave, every microwave you ever get now has like a freaking bazillion functions on it. Right. It's got like, (laughs) um, you know, like thaw, it's got like a power meter, like, you know, do you want to do like 10% power, a hundred percent power? It's got, you know, a lot of presets like, Hey, do you want to bake a Turkey or something in your microwave? Right. But the, the button that everybody uses on the microwave, no matter who you are, there's like pretty much two buttons that you use the add 30 seconds button, like the quick start or the popcorn button. Right. That is like the two (laughs) buttons you use. And the idea being that like where there is not simplicity in a system, users will introduce simplicity, meaning that like yeah, there's all these presets and whatever, but you know what somebody's going to do? They're going to go look at like, how much time should I put this this piece of meat in for? Okay, beep, 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 beep. press the 30 second button 10 times, right? Because nobody's mm-hmm. going to learn all those presets, right? That's great. They're there, yeah. but nobody's going to take the time to learn them. They just want to get the work done. They just want to get it done, yeah. right? And so for me with Flexbox, Flexbox is incredibly powerful, but I use probably 
like three or four things all the time. It's like the same thing with Git, yeah. right? Git from the command line is incredibly powerful. 95% of the time I'm using one of about six commands, you know? Yeah. So teaching a beginner this stuff isn't actually that complicated because you really only have to teach them a couple things. With Flexbox for me, it's been used uh, not super often to align things well, I, I guess to align things vertically, but not usually like to like center it in a big div, like as like a vertical yeah. and horizontal center. Mm-hmm. More often I find myself, you ever have those things where like you have a header on the left-hand side and then you have a bu- button on the right-hand side and like a title bar kind yep. of thing. Yeah. Those can be incredibly annoying to do that. Uh, number one, mm-hmm. because if you use a float or something like that, you have to put the float with the button above the title so that it floats to the right of the title. You know what yeah. I mean? Or else it's going to be like shoved underneath. It's going to be like a line underneath mm-hmm. that title, which looks weird. Yeah. So yep. it's just, a, it's annoying to do that. Um, and so for, for me, Flexbox has been used a lot more in like smaller contexts than in larger contexts. So I still use like a grid system that is not flex. And I just use the columns and whatever. But I yep. find for micro alignments, flex is so much better than ever having to use yeah. floats again. And so I don't use them. 95, you know, I keep on saying 95% of the time, but literally <laughs> I, I don't use floats very often anymore. I almost always use Flexbox. And mm-hmm. uh, the way that I've made it easy for myself to do that is by using basically atomic CSS classes where on the parent, yeah. I just have a, a class that I have called flex and that says display flex. And then mm-hmm. on the, um, and then, you know, I'll have uh, flex align items and then there's, you know, flex start, flex end, whatever. And then justify content is space around, space between, center, but there's also baseline, I think, for line items, which is really good. It kind of lines them all up by like their text. If you were to put all the text on the same line, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, there's just a couple of them that I use. And then there's some tricks around like, hey, if I want to make sure that my one item is taking up all of the space that it can, and then the other one is just taking up a little bit, you can just put like mm-hmm. flex one on that one. Or yep. uh, I think that's what it is. Yeah, flex one on there. And uh, then the other one is just not flex and then it's margin auto. So yeah. anyway, there's a couple things there, but yeah, Flexbox does not have to be super intimidating. Uh, if you haven't looked into it, I would just spend, I don't know, spend an afternoon. There's a Flexbox for Zombies, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good one. It teaches you all the stuff that you'd ever need to know about it. And uh, we'll put that up in the show notes. But um, yeah, it's a really great technology and it saves you a lot of headache once you get your head wrapped around yeah. it. Yeah, so. and it's the same as how we learn now to use divs and floats and stuff you will you'll learn it and then you'll forget the specifics of what you learned but you'll know how to implement it and from someone who just wants to implement it or just wants to use it i think that's fine you know i won't necessarily remember but i'll know in what context to use which declarations but the other the other course that i was starting to watch was was one that i got ages ago was from Wes Boz, which is what the Flexbox. So I'll link that one up in the show notes as well. But that's good for those of you who are more, you know, visual video style learners. Awesome. Sounds good. Oh, last thing. So and and I mean, unless, of course, you've got other stuff to talk about. But for me, this is kind of the last thing I had on my list, which is just kind of around setting expectations and communicating. So one thing that we've been talking about at work and is just kind of a little catchphrase is like uh, to be unclear is to be unkind. And the idea being that it's really important to set extremely clear expectations, especially for new members to the team, because to be unclear is really to say you have this expectation that's in your head and it's up to them to read your mind and figure out what you want them to do, right? So if you walk in and say, hey, I want this feature and you say, okay, great. And then you walk out and that's it. 
you have not been clear, right? Yeah. So of course, this hap- over time, you develop more trust with your developers and, and this isn't something that needs to be monitored so closely. But like I said, especially with new people coming in, I think it's really important, maybe not that you have like a job description necessarily, but that you say, this is largely, this is the goal of your job, right? Almost like a purpose statement to be like, okay, regardless of what it is that you're doing, your purpose is to make sure that we get this done, this X done, right? And the, uh, the illustration that was used in this class I was, I was uh, going through is they said, uh, you know, like on a, an American football team, right? Everybody knows the goal, which is to get the football into the end zone, right? So mm-hmm. you can have a quarterback, you can have a linebacker, you can have anybody. And if the ball is loose on the field, every single person knows that their job is to pick up that ball and get over the line, right? Get into the end zone, right? And so regardless of what position you normally play, you know, that's the goal, right? So in crisis situation, you have a developer who, whatever, they're working on this thing, but they know that ultimately their goal is to make sure that the customer is served. So if they get a call from a customer, right? They're not going to just blow them off, right? They're going to make sure yeah. that customer is treated well, and they're saving the reputation of the company, uh, you know, or protecting the reputation of the company, et cetera, right? So just having like this common goal in mind of like, hey, your goal is to do this. And then you can break it down more specifically and say like, that means that you're going to, you know, you're going to self-report to whoever's supervising you once a week or whatever, right? Like check in and just make sure they know what you're doing and what's going on and whatever. And Mm -hmm. man, we could put a whole other episode around that. Like the idea of self-reporting instead of having to check in on the people who you manage, allowing, you know, empowering them to check in with you. Uh, It makes them feel better because they don't feel like you're nagging them all the time, Uh, but you get the feedback that you need and, you know, you're making them responsible to do it instead of, you know, having them think that, you, you know, you're holding their hand. Yeah. So anyway, it's, it's just been an interesting study for me, like, and I feel like I'm still learning so much, uh, but just this idea of really, you know, even at some point. So for me, there was one spot in the week where there was a feature we were working on and I was expecting that it was going to be good done sooner and it didn't get done as quickly as I was assuming it would. And so mm-hmm. went in and just was like, okay, let's literally break this down to its pieces. So we wrote down every step on the board, on a whiteboard, and then said, okay, you know, you give me so I can be sure I'm not having, you know, bad expectations. Like you give me how much time you think each one of these steps is going to take in half hour increments. Right. And then we write it all out. Okay. And so the expectation is that tomorrow by 11 o'clock, there will be a pull request in GitHub for me to review this code. We both agree on that. Is that reasonable? Yes, that's reasonable. Great. Now you're both on the same page. Now you know what's expected. So the next morning when I come in, I don't have to go ask him what he's up to. He can just start working. And at 11 o'clock, he knows that we're going to have a meeting together and we're going to go over his pull request, right? So it just saves a lot of back and forth, just like setting clear expectations. And then you're both on the same page and, and you can just get your work done. Yeah. Instead of like yeah. constantly coming in, Hey, how's it going? Hey, can I help you with anything? Hey, and you know, yeah. you get them out of that flow and then you, it takes three times longer. So it's just yeah. something I've been learning. Yeah. I like, I like the sound of that because my other developer currently we talked about this before we've got the two offices and he's like an hour away from me and I don't want to be constantly asking him, but I, cause people then ask me what's, what's he working on at the moment or where's the status of this? So it's a bit trickier. I've like, I've never worked in this remote kind of situation before. So finding the balance between constantly saying, what are you working on? What are you working on? What are you working on to, you know, at least knowing we're using Trello, but sometimes things don't move or there's no, yeah. there's no update on it. But I know that they're being worked on, which I guess is the the downside to Trello. And maybe it's because we're not breaking the tasks up enough. They're not granular enough. So I'm not seeing movement on them. On Friday when I was away, I just got a whole bunch of notifications that this card had moved, image attached, image attached, and, you know, 
Bitbucket branch was attached and things like that. So yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Yeah, and so even if you were like, hey, when you get in the morning, check in with me. Just let me know what you're working on for the day, and then at the end of the day, check in with me and let me know what you got done. You know? Yeah. So anyway, I'd like to talk about more of that that more next episode, and maybe I can kind of like write down some more notes uh, and kind of flesh yeah. that out a little bit. But I feel like there's been some really good stuff that we've been going through in our leadership training program at work that I mm-hmm. feel would be super beneficial to some people out there who are kind of in similar positions to us. So, yeah, definitely share it with us. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, I think that's it for this episode. Episode 37, right? 37, yeah. Okay, here we go. I will give a promo code out at the end of the thing, at the very end. The uh, very actually, end. you know what? I almost think we'd do it next episode. Like, I, I think it would be better if we just okay. let people know. Because um, I don't feel like we really have time to talk about the app right now that I want to sure. talk about. And it's super cool. So um, I'll just give us a little teaser. It's called Focus. The app is called Focus. And it just helps you get work done and focus without being distracted. So that's what it is. So maybe we'll talk about nice. that a little bit more next episode too. And we'll yeah. give away some stuff on the Laravel News podcast as well. There we go. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Episode 37. You can find show notes for this episode at northmeetsouth.audio slash 37. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, feedback, feel free to reach out to us at Jacob Bennett or at Michael Dorinda or at North South Audio on Twitter. Thank you so much to Andreas for his amazing, wonderful generosity. <laughs> you are a very kind man and we super, super appreciate it. That was awesome. So I just wanted to give you one more shout out. Thanks, Andreas. Uh, let's see what else. I think that's, uh, oh, podcatcher of choice. If you like the show, please yeah. feel free to rate us up in your podcatcher of choice. Five stars is always super duper appreciated. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We will talk to you in a couple of weeks. And don't forget in a couple of weeks, you're going to want to be on the show early because you're going to want to hear this promo code for this application. It's really freaking awesome. Uh, one other thing, uh, async await. I want to talk about that real quick, real quick. Andrew Del Preti. He's got a 50% or let's see. A, he's got a $5 off code NMS async like North meets South async. If you'd like to go purchase his course, which we've talked about a little bit previously, fivemindev.com. You can go get a $5 off thing if you're interested in learning about async await. So it's a really great course. Andrew's a great teacher. So there you go. $5 off. Boom. Yeah. If you learn anything from the promises course, definitely check out the async await one. So yeah. I guess the natural progression, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. And I actually was like so excited to see that one because that's what I wanted after promises. I was like, oh, async await, you've got to teach me about this. And he did. So he delivered. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. All right, everybody. Thanks. We'll talk to you in two weeks. See you. Bye.